Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Everyone and welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I'm Zach. And remember to head to A to Z Running.com, look for the word follow in the top right corner, and then head over to YouTube, search up A to Z Running, and subscribe so that you can follow us and everything that we're doing, get connected to anything that we're sharing, and most importantly, get actually engaged in the conversation and so post comments post questions Mm -hmm. share your thoughts insights and other things and we'll do our best to honor them and potentially share them in the podcast like this question from samantha yes samantha asked us what you can do about hi sam hi sam about tight calves and i think a lot of us have experienced them a time or two as runners as a matter of fact i am dealing with a small achilles injury right now that stemmed from tight calves oh man should have been doing more of the war and stretch for your calf i was in fact doing a lot of it but i had other things that i wasn't addressing so what do we do about it yeah so mobility is a key factor mobility of the calves and Actually, Phil Wharton was on our podcast last week, and he showed us an amazing calf stretch, actually a couple of them. So the main thing with your calves to always remember is that you're really dealing with three different kind of elements there. You have the upper, which is like the gastroc. You have the mid and lower, which is like the soleus. And then you certainly have the Achilles itself and a number of other factors that contribute to all of those things. So if your calves are tight, don't just assume you got to stretch your calves more. Because that, that's not necessarily the answer. So there can be a lot of things going on there, Sam. I think definitely start with what Phil was showing us last week. Start with some good calf mobility things like the active isolated flexibility. And certainly don't just assume that if it's starting to feel better that all your problems are solved. But think about are there potential weak areas, especially above or below. So if your feet are having some issues, then that can cause calf tightness. And if you have knee or hip issues. So spend some time making sure that things are good. So thank you for that question, Sam. If you have a question, you can leave it in the comments below, or if you're listening on podcasts, you can find us on social media or at a to z running.com. So we've got a couple of discounts that are current yes. with some of our interactions lately. So you definitely don't want to miss these because they do sometimes expire as well. Yes. So we'll start with that one. Wharton Health. Last week, we had Phil Wharton on and he gave us an exclusive discount with A to Z running. So you can go to whartonhealth.com. Lots of fabulous resources and use the code AZ running at checkout and it expires at the end of the month. So That's October 31st. October 31st. Yes. 2020. And we have another active one going on. Sidekick Tool offered all of our listeners a 15% discount. That's exclusive for all of you. Sidekicktool.com slash A to Z running and you will get that 15% discount at checkout. So that will just happen automatically. So both of these are major staples in our regimen of keeping ourselves healthy and strong in our training. And we certainly agree with the kinds of things that they're trying to do and the products that they provide to help you do them. So head head to both places and check it out. And if they've got some stuff that might support and help you, pull the trigger. Yes. And this week, we are so excited to have another Olympian on air. This has just been so amazing to have experts at the very highest tier of competition come on the A to Z Running Podcast. Today, we have Kate Grace. So as you recall, our endeavor this year is to ask and answer important questions in running and do so with experts when we can and guests on the show that can help us answer these questions. So we brought Kate Grace on to help us talk about speed, strength, or endurance. So what do we do? How do we do? What's the most important? All of those kinds of things. It's a compelling question. She shares from her own experience and gives you kind of the behind the veil type of stuff about what what might be considered to be America's best track club, the mm-hmm. Bowerman Track Club, what kinds of things they're doing to address speed, strength, and or 
endurance. And of course, we'll get into it in greater depth. But here's the thing. You've got to stick around after the interview because that's when we'll actually answer the question. Mm -hmm. So if you if you care to know what is the synthesis of the things that we're talking about and thinking about and you care to hear what we believe to be the right course of action with this one in particular, stick around and we will address that after the interview. But next up, World of Running. Do we have a world of running for you this week? World records went down last week in Valencia. In fact, it was the NN Valencia World Record Day named before the world records happened. So that's either a very bold thing to do or they just knew it was inevitable. And when you see this, you might think they knew it was inevitable. So we've got two of them here to talk about. Let's start with the women. And in the 5,000 meters, Latenzabet, don't know how to say her name for sure, Gade broke the women's 5,000 meter world record in a time of 14.06. Isn't that amazing, everyone? 14.06, that's 4.32 pace for the 5K. Yikes. So that's a 12-year-old record previously held by Tiranesh Dababa of Ethiopia. Good days from Ethiopia as well. And it should be noted that the the record that was broken was set by who might be the greatest female distance runner yet in the history of time. And Tiranesh Dababa has the track record to prove that to anyone who questions it. So from like 2003 on, Dababa basically has meddled in everything every year except for when she was having kids. And then she continued to meddle after the having kids part. And I don't know, I don't know for how long, how many kids. It was about two years she didn't compete. So she's meddled in four different Olympic games. She's meddled in how many different world championships. She's got like seven or eight gold medals, not to mention four or five others. She has more gold than she does other medals, which is just, you know, that <laughs> says something. And Gade just broke that woman's world record. That's saying something. Mm-hmm. And the men's race did not disappoint. The 10K on the track was epic. So you know Joshua Cheptegay because you're listening to us and we've told you about Joshua Cheptegay. So he won that 10,000 meter world championship track last autumn in uh, 2019. And of course, from there went on to break within the next calendar year. So before one year has passed, broke four different world records, two on the roads, which is, you know, the roads records aren't necessarily held in quite as high esteem. But then he did what many people were saying was nearly impossible to do and went on to break both of Kenanisa Bekele's track world records. 5,000 meter about a month ago. You heard us talking about that. Busted it by about two seconds. Pretty slim margin. And then the 10K world record, he just ran 2611 Mm-hmm to bust wide open by six seconds, Bekele's previous record. I don't even know exactly what to say about all of <laughs> this. I do want to talk about Bekele for a moment because it, he's he's done everything. Even as recent as last year, Bekele's still in world-class status. He nearly broke Kipchoge's marathon world record. Missed it by two seconds. Mm-hmm. And so the two of them stand head and shoulders above any other marathoner in the history of time. And the, Bekele's... 5K and 10K world records were like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's incredible to see these kinds of things going on. And of course, you always wonder what's what's the Bekele reaction to this. He yeah. just got wiped off the track. 5K and 10K are gone within one month. Oh, wow. Whoa. So fast. It's incredible. So Cheptegay, he's there. He's still young. He's 24 years old. And so we're excited to just continue to see. You know, this is one of those things, too, where you say, okay, if this was the Olympic year, what would he have done yeah. in the Olympics? <laughs> So yeah. let's let's hope that he just continues the momentum and let's see him there next year. Mm-hmm. Well, I do that wanna... was not the only thing that happened on the track. No, um, but I do want to make a quick comment. Actually, let, let me come back to it because we got to talk about this as well. So you heard us talking about Sifan Hassan when she broke the one hour world record, which is really quite an impressive thing because she's known to be like a middle distance runner. And then she went out and broke the one hour world record. Mm-hmm. Well, she's nearly at it again. Yes, so she ran her 10K in 29.36 this past weekend to get a European record that was previously held by Paula Radcliffe. Yeah, so that Paula Radcliffe, we keep talking about these legends who are losing their records. Um, Paula Radcliffe. 
Yeah, there's a name you should recognize. Uh, so she she broke it by what was it, 25 seconds too, which, mm-hmm. which is substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sifan Hassan was attempting the world record. Yes, <laughs> and yep. missed it, but she made a good effort. But she went out in the record pace. 14:37 was her first 5k. 14:37 through 5k. So you do the math, and it's not like her second 5k was terrible she still ran 1459 yeah so that's wow wow okay um so sifan hassan is one of those really fascinating runners to follow because she did last year what almost no one has ever done which is she won in the the outdoor championships won the 10k and 1500 yeah in the same event the 10k and 1500 so she's got the range. She's got an hour world record. She's got the European 10K record. And she's got, I think it's the world indoor mile record, world record. Mm-hmm. So like she's all over the place. And if you see her PRs, just her list of PRs, it's like basically it's either a European record or world record for every single one. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. It's incredible. Well, that made her the sixth fastest woman to ever run the 10 10- to, oh, sorry, the fourth fastest woman to ever run the 10K. Fourth fastest 10K. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got, like we said, she's got a, those kinds of numbers across nearly every PR. Mm-hmm. So exciting stuff there. And there were other things going on in the track, other people attempting records, and it just didn't come together for some of them. So bummer. But uh, this might be kind of rounding out the track season now, uh, which is later than it usually is anyway. And so now we're just kind of sitting here looking forward to what is it? What does it hold next year mm-hmm. in Tokyo 2021? What's going on there too? So yeah. um, definitely excited for seeing some road stuff coming up as well. And we'll keep you updated on all those things. I do want to mention then, I said I was going to come back to this. Um, I'm getting a little bit frustrated. And so I'm just going to kind of be candid about my emotions on this, but brief because you don't really care about my emotions. Um, I'm getting frustrated about how coverage of these kinds of things is so often about the technology. So you hear it all the time. It was, you know, the Nike shoe and now it's the Nike spike, which is the same thing as the Nike shoe, but a track spike version of it. And it's thinner because they made it so you you can't have as thick of a shoe on the track. Well, so all of the stuff, like when you see in the news and they cover these things, it's like, you know, Cheptegay and G'day, world records, wearing these new Nike shoes that are very special. And I'm like, so you just made the whole conversation about the shoe, not the crazy talented athletes doing amazing things. Okay, so yes, the research says these shoes do help with efficiency in a general sense. And so they may be aiding the athletes to some degree or another. But I hate to break it to anyone listening. Technologies have been helping athletes since the dawn of athletics. They're always looking for ways to improve the technologies. And, you know, look at things like making javelins that you can throw farther than previously. Like they're doing things like that. Of course, they're going to make shoes to try to help you run faster. Now, I do agree that it's important to have limitations on these things so that, you know, you don't have Nike making literal hover shoes that are rocket powered (laughs) because you know that they are. They're making those things because they can. But I don't think we I don't think we do a service to our sport by spending all our time talking about how the technology is why the records are breaking. Mm -hmm. Instead, we have to have this duality of try to be reasonable, with the regulations and i think world athletics does actually a really good job of that trying to be reasonable with the regulations on the technology but at the same time these athletes are doing incredible and amazing things let's not belittle that Mm -hmm. by giving credit to the shoes or the blinky lights that follow them around the track absolutely that's all i gotta say So for this question this week, we wanted to address speed, strength, or endurance. And I say or on purpose there because that tends to be what the conversation is. Do I do endurance? Do I do speed? You know, I'm a marathon training block. So what should I do there? Or I'm I'm going to try to get my mile PR. You know, I'm 42 years old, but I'm still going to try to get my mile PR because it's fun. I like to have fun. So how do I train for that? Um, and I think the answer here is going to be a really important one for all of us because the answer answers the question regardless of what it is you're trying to do in training. And of course, those are the best answers, right? I have one answer to rule them all, and I'm going to give it to you, but not yet. So first, we got to talk about what we mean when we're talking about speed, strength, and endurance because in a little bit here, we've got Kate, Kate Grace coming on, and she will help to provide clarity about because we ask her and clarity about what they mean with her training group when they talk about things like speed and endurance um and so i want to just provide some context before so that conversation is even more rich for you so first endurance 
is a very vague term and most people just use it to talk about long distance running in general but as you well know the concept of endurance can be for anything you can have as kate grace will tell us speed endurance you can have stamina and strength and things like that and those are endurance you can have cardiovascular endurance you can also have muscular endurance which is different than cardiovascular endurance so the point being um if you just read like a headline on an article that says you know endurance athletes need to do these five things first be skeptical because what do they mean by endurance athletes and 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 that's good to explore so here's what we are talking about when we're talking about the concept of endurance we're really suggesting that it's it's mostly about enduring the pace you need to go for the distance you need to go it Mm -hmm. those are andy's words I did say that, yes. (laughs) And then she said, write it down because that was really good. And I agreed. Um, So I like that because it can be across different kinds of paces and efforts and things. But when I mentioned earlier, muscular endurance and things like aerobic and cardiovascular endurance, those are elements that you develop in different kinds of ways. And I'm going to appreciate what Kate will tell us about Mm -hmm. that. So I'm not going to try to give you too much of it yet. Um, But a key difference here, cyclists often talk about the concept of muscular endurance, where your muscular output needs to endure for a long period of time. And that's not the same thing as cardiovascular and aerobic output. So keep that in mind. The next one is speed, which I like. I appreciate how Lydiard writes about speed because he often suggests that we use the term too loosely. You know, you hear people say things like, I'm doing speed training, so I'm going out and doing 400 repeats and, you know, things like that. And in in reality, the concept, if we're really trying to get to the point of what we mean by speed, we mean literally running as fast as you can. Running very, very fast is speed. And so in that sense, to practice speed is not to do something like a 5K effort or mile effort interval workout. That's not speed in this sense. Speed is like running as fast as you can. And obviously you don't do that for very long because you can't do it for very long. But that's what we mean when we're really trying to talk about what, how to develop speed and where that has value, even for marathoners. We will get to that. Um, but that's, that's the essence of it. It's max speed practice. And the key factor here is that influences your running economy. So even though none of us are really trying to run maximum speed for an, an entire race, uh, unless you're listening to this and you're a sprinter, and then you are, <laughs> so you, I stand corrected. But um, distance runners don't do that. Now, many of us want to do that at the very end of the race, so there is value to it. But uh, the point being, even if I'm not trying to be a sprinter, I still need the, the running economy benefits of that maximum speed stuff. That's important. Last one, strength. So once again, um, strength is just kind of one of those general vague terms that you can have strength in a lot of ways, like physical bodily strength you can have strength in the sense of like that runner's really strong you know when you watch them running a race or something and they just look strong that's who knows why but that that's a very general term so what we're really trying to talk about is we're trying to talk about your actual muscular strength as one key element and like the leg strength core strength the the physique strength your, your running mechanics and all of the things present there and assuming that in training the kinds of things you're doing in training are both for the actual muscular strength building that you need to have to run well over long periods of time, as well as some of the other things that come with just you know mechanical value there. So we'll get into some of those elements too. And I think most importantly to remember with all of the stuff here, when Kate Grace starts talking, is that she is going to share some really key examples so you can hear and see what we mean when we talk about some of these things. Then we'll answer the question bring it all back together. Yes. Well, let's introduce you to Kate Grace. She is an Olympian. Like I mentioned before, she's an Olympic finalist in the 800 meters with a PR time of 158. So not only has she broken that two minute barrier multiple times, but she's gotten down to 158. So she is very fast. Her 1500 is 402 which is very speedy as well. She's been a member of Team USA, both at the Olympics and World Championship level. And she went to Yale and was a two-time All-American, six-time HEP champion. So she has a lot of accolades behind her, but even more exciting that she wants to bring her knowledge of the sport to us. She explains later that she's really into learning about her craft. So we're grateful that she's here with us today. To talk about speed, strength, or endurance. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me. So we we are so excited to be talking with you right now. And we said off air prior to starting recording, we um, are just really grateful that you're willing to take the time. And you mentioned now is not a terrible time for this kind of thing because you're kind of in between some things. But let me just say before we get into the topic that how how much we in the running world, the track and field world, and certainly Andy and I personally, how much we appreciated your team this summer with the intra-squad meets and just that it, it felt like it kept track and field alive, especially for Americans when there wasn't much else going on. Oh, I love to hear that. No, it was it was great. And I think, to be honest, Jerry did a great job. Early on when we when it was clear that everything was getting canceled, he was very clear with the athletes, like, we're still going to have these, even if it's going to be just time trials, but just so that mentally people were able to prepare for hard time trials in July. And then we were able to get them into meets. I was injured, so I was watching from the sidelines, but it was so fun seeing everybody. Um, and I feel like the relays were really fun specifically just because uh, like the four by fours and things just within a team that it kind of, it adds a little bit of a game or like kind of playfulness to, to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we talk about um, in just it as, as runners, we talk about what does it mean to like play running? Cause you know, there's all these team sports out there where it's like, you can just kind of have fun sometimes and like scrimmage each other and such, but in running, it doesn't feel like it's quite that kind of opportunity, but I, I, I saw a sense of that and you just kind of confirmed it, Kate, that um, there was, there was kind of a play factor involved in some of the things going on, especially like those relays. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's funny. You're right that we don't get the same type of scrimmage situation, but yeah, it was, it was a blast. But Kate, you have fun by running fast. Like that's fun for you, right? That's your play. So I want to talk just about a couple of races that stand out to you. We know you've gone sub two lots of times. You've run 158 for Pete's sake. You are a fast lady. So I'd love for you to share with us a couple of your favorite race moments. It's fun because I feel like every year I um, update my like mental list of favorite races probably because in a way you you need to have a short memory um but of course like looking back i mean the whole 2016 like season was in itself magical i feel like each race was its own moment um making my first olympic team then P- i pr'd and it went 158 for the first time ever uh in rio um there was this crazy situation before that race where I got stuck in a bathroom because like the door handle fell off. So like literally like less than an hour before that race, I was like, yeah, completely. Yeah. I was stuck in a bathroom. (laughs) Um, So it was just this like wild situation where I had to like uh, basically climb out. um, And, but kind of just showed you that I had so much, I had so much adrenaline going and basically this like feeling that like nothing could get in my way. Um, and yeah, made the, made the Olympic final. Um, and then I think more recently, this last, or not this last summer, but 2019, I had a few times, I definitely like struggled a little bit, didn't make the US, the world team. Um, and that was just a hit. Um, and I was able to come back and kind of like turn my season around and run some PRs uh, in Europe that in like the 1500. And for that, for me personally, I see that as like a personal win because I think it's always hard when you've had a season where you're kind of like, Oh gosh, this is a slog. Like things aren't kind of coming together at the right time to be able to just like get through it and race well at the end. Um, I was personally proud of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think a lot of people are going to be, um, hoping for that coming out of this funky season. Um, I know personally I've had some injury and it's like, it's, I just want to be back doing it and have that win, have that point where it's like, I'm back again. I feel good. I feel fast. And part of that is like strength, speed, and endurance. That's how we build this, right? <laughs> nice segue. Nice segue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So it's, this is a great opportunity to talk about this with you because you are the expert on it. So let's start with strength. What does Kate Grace do for strength? I do feel like runners have different definitions of strength, right? Because Jerry always talks about athletes need strength, but what he means is you need um, a big foundational base of running, right? So for Jerry, strength is like, um, we do a lot of tempo type reps and a lot of just like 
uh, workouts that are lots of just miles in the legs. And that's certainly a type of strength. Um, for me personally, I also do like lifting and strength that's off, off the track. And I think for me that um, it helps with power and running efficiency, which are two key components to running fast, right? Like basically running fast is like having aerobics fitness and then being efficient. And in order to be efficient, you need to be able to like not lose form. Um, so I, I do a strength routine that I keep up um, twice a week, three times a week throughout the year, both a mixture of like heavier lifts and then also some more core stabilizing stuff. And you've put some of those on your Instagram at FastKate. And I think they're excellent. I'm just like, yeah. I love them. I've actually saved them on the tabs because you can do that now. So I've saved these routines. You have step ups. So can you tell our audience a little bit about step ups? Um, yeah, step ups are like a key running, um, like a key move that I think runners can all incorporate. I've learned this a lot. Actually, now I had an Achilles injury. Um, that uh, in March and April and just learned how it's like an amazingly functional movement because you basically use like all your muscles basically in the same uh, pattern that you do when you're running. When you think of like a step up, it's basically like an exaggerated stride. Um, so it's very functional. It also, and then you can weight them. So you can actually, it can be a heavy strength move. Um, but by, and um, and what else? Yeah. So it's like, it's getting all your muscles in your tendons. And then if you do a more unweighted and more just like for form, it also can be a form or even like a plyometric type move. If you add like a hop to it, um, there's so many options for different types of variations. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that you touched on too, the importance of achieving the functional movement as a part of that, you know, the strength building. I think, well, we've, we've read a lot of like Jay Desherry's work and such, and he's mm -hmm. talked a lot about how, you know, for, especially for runners, the kind of strengthening that is the most effective and certainly efficient, especially when you're talking about the amount of time and energy it takes to do these things, um, you know, functional movements are key. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of routines and exercises out there. You know, you can go on YouTube and spend your entire life looking up fitness routines and a lot of it's good stuff, but it's not, it's not quite as efficient for a runner to strengthen the kinds of things in the kinds of movement patterns that you need. So those are some great examples. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Speaking of Jay, I'm drinking out of this like funky mug that this is from him. He like has all of these extra, this is his mobile board yeah. <laughs> that he gave us. He gave us these mugs that he got. He got all these mugs, but then like because of COVID, like they were supposed to be giveaways at these conferences that all got canceled. So he's like, I'm going to give these mugs away for the rest of forever. Uh, but it glows in the dark. That <laughs> so anyways, cool. that's what I'm drinking out of right now. Mobile board's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great that. for stability and strengthening your ankles. That's a good one too. Very nice. You've also put on your Instagram core work. So can you unpack a little bit about core work with our listeners? Uh, it's funny, again, that's a lot what I learned from Jay initially, but just this idea that, um, yeah, if we're trying to increase efficiency, we want to be able to move our legs and be powerful in our legs, but have the least amount of uh, external or unnecessary movement, right? So you want to be able to keep your core strong and that, um, and in doing that, that will allow your movement to uh, be most efficient and directed in the direction that it needs to be. Um, and yeah, and not have like kind of lost motion. Um, this is me trying to do physics in a very like non-physics way, but I don't know. I thank I you for that because I'm not a physics girl. So I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, so core is going to be like the foundation for um, being able to translate that running efficiency. It also, um, helps again uh, hold your pelvis in a stable and optimal position um and, and in doing so allow all your muscles and your legs and in your glutes to fire properly um so a lot of core work i think that runners can do is um instead of uh i mean also doing some flexion stuff and kind of ab type stuff but holding it's like imagine holding your um, your midsection in a stable, like in a stable plane and then moving the rest of your body around it. So you can do planks, mm -hmm. you can do on your back dead bugs where you move your legs. Um, I've gotten into a little bit of Pilates. Um, it's always interesting whenever 
it's always interesting. I'm the more I learn, like um, just the importance of making sure you're doing the right exercises, but also not overdoing any one muscle group. So I know it's funny. I was posting on Instagram. There was a few things. I was in Park City and I was been giving a lot of stuff that was addressing hip flexors or it was a lot of hip flexor work. And then I saw my PT and she was like, uh, just make sure you're not like overdoing the hip flexor stuff. So I think it's good to know when you're doing any kind of core work that, uh, I mean, planks are like the most amazing exercise that can basically be, uh, should be the foundation of any runner's thing. And regardless of what uh, extra kind of like fancy stuff you add, um, just some of the very basic moves can be the best and the least likely to cause other issues. Yeah. And that, that sense of you're touching on the importance of the balance, um, you know, doing enough, but not too much with these things. And so you mentioned like the, the leg strength routines or or weight type stuff, weight bearing stuff that you might do two or three times a week. And similarly with something like a core routine, you might do that. I'm I'm assuming something like two or three times a week. Um, You know, we've, we've looked at, it's it's the idea of runners always feel like there's there's more that I could be doing. There's always more that I be I could be doing. And in a sense, that's kind of true. But it's also really important to look at the full scope of what you are doing and make sure that there's a right amount of balance in that too. Oh my gosh, so key. Yeah. So that moves us to maybe endurance. Well, and I'm especially interested in how you differentiate because you just mentioned that Jerry talks about strength a lot in terms of like distance running strength. Um, do you differentiate that from endurance or are we kind of talking about the same thing? What, what's on your mind with that, Kate? Yeah, it's interesting. I think probably the way you are, it's similar to endurance. I think some of what Jerry's like strength is, um, is harder than I would say is like a general kind of endurance athlete. And I think endurance, I just think like going out for a long run at your kind of, mm, like marathon pace heart rate or like a little bit, I don't know, kind of aerobic level heart rate. I think some of Jerry's stuff is um, more in a, like a higher heart rate zone tempo um, with the then, than that would be. Um, But yeah, I think it it all is in the, like the same category, strength and endurance, being able to run fast for longer, right? It doesn't matter if you can run fast, if you can't hold that for more than a minute. Um, you only need to go two because you're so fast that you're. <laughs> I'm special. I, I I do get that, but the most people that I train with have to go for longer. Um, yeah, thinking then along the lines of how you implement things that are more specific to endurance as opposed to some of that strength work. I mean, as as a middle distance runner, do you spend a significant amount of time at certain parts of the year or those kinds of things on just more of a casual endurance as opposed to a harder strength type of work? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I mean, I would say that that's more like what's happening right now in the fall or kind of whatever your quote unquote base building time is, is just building that aerobic base. And then I think also as a runner that, um, that transfers from year to year. Right. So I have seen more and more as I get older that like, it, I don't have to work as hard to get that aerobic base and then I am able to, uh, improve it a little bit each year. Um, and I think that's what gets to you where you're saying is like that moderation is important because ideally you want to be able to let the gains compound, um, not even over this, over the season, but over a longer term. Um, so in the fall, I will do more endurance work, a little bit higher mileage, a little bit more focus on a long run. Um, sometimes long runs that are faster. I think that like, sometimes there's nothing better than just like a good, hard long run effort. Um, and as we transition more into racing, I still keep up like a long run, but my and mileage, but it's not maybe quite as important. And the focus maybe shifts a little bit more towards speed um, or more of the like other types of tempo work. So I'm curious, while we're before we talk about speed, because you gave us a nice little uh, teaser right there um, on the topic of endurance yet. So the legend has it that Arthur Lydiard had his 800 star Peter Snell before winning like the double gold or whatever he did in the 60s, had him doing 100 miles a week, had him, in fact, training with his marathoners and at one point even did a marathon time trial 
prior to getting really into his actual speed work in season. I'm curious how you think or feel about things like that. Cause obviously that's further along the extreme there. I think there is at this point, definitely 1500 and up. The understanding is there's having a large base of endurance is kind of the, the name of the game. And that's what most people are doing at this point in the U S um, Interesting to hear, I think in other countries, there's going to be a little bit more of a, uh, I, I know of some groups where it's maybe a little bit less mileage, but maybe more quality. So you're running faster. I do think there's always, something always has to give, right? Like if you're running a hundred miles a week, m- most of the time, um, or even for me, if you're running like up to like 80 miles a week, it's going to be maybe not quite as quality, whereas maybe a different training program might run someone 50 or 60 miles a week, but um, but just faster, right? So every run is quality. There's no, no junk stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do think that in the, I mean, a lot of groups now, it seems are higher mileage. For an 800 runner, that is impressive. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna knock it. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Well, I appreciate those thoughts. Yeah. Um, so the, the idea then being at some point the mindset shifts and you're really focused on the speed you need to accomplish the goal within your target event. And so, um, certainly for a middle distance runner, that's a lot of speed that you need. So uh, what does that look like? How do you go about that transition? Um, it is interesting the way that you're, I do think that it's more of, um, and again, you guys are much, you guys know more of the, the names of the different types of training programs, but I think at least the coaches that I've had, there are some elements of everything throughout the season. Right. And it's, so we will, I will do speed work even in September or October, uh, it might not be as fast, but it will be something that you're hitting so that there's never a point where you're not hitting some system. Uh, it just like the kind of relative amount that you're dedicating to that in your week changes, right? Excuse me. So um, maybe in the fall, um, I will start doing strides, like some very fast quality strides uh, or hill, hill reps. Um, and I think hill reps are really good to actually start for speed because it's not it's not as much pounding and there's not you don't have to be like on a track. Um, this is actually something that I did more so when I was in California uh, with my previous coach Drew Mortenberg. He'd have us do hill reps and then transition onto like fast speed on the track. Um, and again, that just gets you ready and you get you primed in the fall so that when you're actually doing maybe some longer 200s, 400s, um, 600s in the spring, you, you're not like you never have a point where your body is shocked. I think that's when injury can also happen. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, that that idea um, we hear it talked about a lot as the importance of the neuromuscular activation. You know, before you even start to talk about the the raw speed necessary to compete at a high level in the event you need the neuromuscular stimulation and and that's something you should never really fully depart from even when you're in that base training phase and that's kind of it sounds like that's how you're describing that um do you feel like do you feel like there's a difference between when people talk about like speed in terms of top end how fast can you go at an all-out moment versus speed as like how fast are you running 200 or 400 repetitions do you do you see a difference in that do you talk about a difference in that in the way you're training strides versus intervals or those kinds of things uh i mean i guess we would call it speed endurance um i do it's interesting seeing i think one of the things jerry is an incredible i mean like an incredible 5k coach she's obviously i mean his two uh, like so many athletes this year broke so many records and what i what we do starting in the fall is we do what, what he calls speed endurance. So um, we kind of do rhythm 200s and 300s, uh, rhythm being like probably starting at goal 3K pace, and then eventually you get down to goal 1500 meter pace. So it's pretty quick, but not like, you're not all out sprinting, right? And you do that with 30 seconds rest. Um, so it's um, we do, we'll start with like 
200s, um, 200s, and, and then you jog 100 meters in 30 seconds. Then you do 200, and then you jog 30 seconds. And then that progresses to 300s, 300, 300, jog 30 seconds, 300, jog 30 seconds. And I mean, those workouts kill me. And to be honest, I hate them because everyone always tells me like, oh, this is speed. Like, you'll be great at this. But it's like, it's a complete 5K workout because I mean, after a few, it's not, it's not hard, but after a few reps with 30 seconds rest, you're just dying. Um, so that kind of stuff I think is just like, is so, so key to be able to run really fast times in that like 1500 5k. Um, yeah. Uh, and that I would say that's different than just like a pure speed. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense because at, a, at the highest of levels, um, especially thinking about like a 5K where this line is really gray, um, you're really running as close to as hard as you can at for a sustained period of time. You know, a lot of these 5K runners are running not far off of their 1500 PRs in the final 1500s. And like, that's, a, that's an incredible concept. But what you're describing there makes it make more sense like how and why are they able to do that because they're training in such a way to have that speed endurance factor that's that's fascinating yeah it's been really interesting to see i think especially with and i think it's also showing in 5k athletes running really well in the 1500 because you realize that it's not it isn't a sprint but it's just like if you're able to hold that like close to max pace then you can run an an incredible 1500 (laughs) and suffer all the while (laughs) so kate what's your favorite part of training like your absolute favorite part like what gets you excited to be honest um i mean i might be like bumbling through this but conversations like this learning i just think learning about the different techniques um and different things that i can add to my training right now it's funny you guys talking about strength right now i am like kind of reassessing what my strength program is how it's most beneficial and also like the least risky in terms of yeah causing injury um and i just love i i love learning about that i love kind of i think that also gives me confidence because when i feel like oh i have this dialed in then i feel more confident in running um so it's the learning and uh implementing new ideas and then i think just having fun with teammates or training partners mm-hmm. and and it's and you see that right you see it when when people really are enjoying their craft as, as runners. Um, it has so much to do with people around them enjoying it too. And I just, I love seeing that. I mentioned earlier that the inter-squad meets were really, really exciting for the world of track and field. But part of what made it really exciting for me is because it was seeing teammates supporting teammates. Mm -hmm. And it just was constant nostalgia about those times, you know, back when I, you know, the college team or the high school team, you know, all those kinds of things. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you, uh, have, brought people along on this dialing in of your journey on Instagram too, that you're giving back to the running community what you are learning and processing and mastering. And I really appreciate that, Kate. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I know it's always, I feel like we're all just making our way through with Instagram, trying to figure out our social media, (laughs) but I think it's fun. I do enjoy, most enjoy when I feel like it can be some kind of connection like that. Um, yeah, over shared knowledge. Now I didn't prep you for this question, but I'm like wondering it now that we're talking. Are you gonna be doing both the 1500 and the 800 qualifications to, for the trials, or what are your thoughts about that? Um, I mean, I have, my, I have, I, I think regardless of what happens, I will enter both, right? Um, because I have the times for both, and you never clearly from when I was last time at the trials, like. Uh, crazy things can happen. You can have a fall in the race. Um, you never want to go in assuming that you're that it's all going to go perfectly. Um, I would say by the time February comes, I mean this like by the last time of February, I had nailed in what my I, what I was going toward. Um, but I think you always have to leave it open right now for just like I think well, I'll probably just see how my season goes. And then by the time January or February comes, I'll nail in with Jerry. Like, okay, this is our plan. Uh, as we're saying, a lot of the stuff in the fall is this endurance. It's just building. And then we need to like have it once we have our block going into the trials is when we need to really become more, more specific with it. Um, but, but it's, but that's it, right? Because especially, 
you know, you don't ever want to make that kind of a decision until you actually need to make that decision, if at all, because all you're doing then is, is fundamentally limiting yourself. So it makes a lot of sense that you keep it, you keep it open as insofar as you're able to, you know, I'm probably not going to train for the 800 and the marathon at the same time. Uh, but I might, you know, look at 5k and 10k and I won't decide until I need to. And I think one of the things that has changed is just kind of, again, talking with coaches and like understanding that my specific needs as an athlete are a tiny bit different than some of like the other athletes in the group in that I am an 815 runner. I'm not a 15 5k runner. And so that is something that is changing. I feel good about that. Like even with yeah, the amount of strength I do, um, like lifting and mileage, different things, um, just, we're just kind of, we are more dialed in now that I can play to my strengths, um, that are maybe slightly different than some of the other athletes. So that that's going to be good. I think. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your insights. And certainly I, I say this often, um, you know, we so appreciate when the running community can engage at this level, especially with our finest, our fittest mm-hmm. and our finest. And so, um, you know, for you to be out there, like in social media and doing things like this with us, it just, it makes the world of running a better place. And so we appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. You all are great. This was such a nice um just a great experience so yeah thank you well kate grace thanks again and we wish you the very best as you progress toward the next season thank you so much well always appreciate when someone like kate grace is willing to share with us her insights and experiences as she did there and so trying to really synthesize all of this you know what was the question speed strength or endurance and i think you are getting what we're trying to lay down here which is that it's all of these things and it's all of these things in many combinations of ways all of the time you know kate grace is an olympic level middle distance runner and yet at times she's doing like endurance or strength type of stuff that her 5k teammates are doing which if you look at what her 5k teammates are doing it's also similar to what some marathoners are doing during that period of time like these things are not terribly different so appreciating getting from directly from her perspective at the highest possible level, it really doesn't look that different from what it might look like for the rest of us, Hmm. which is key. So now let's answer the question, speed, strength, or endurance. Well, you already know the answer is is all of these things and it's complicated. That seems to be the way I'm answering all of these questions (laughs) that we have so far this season. Um, I apologize. I'll have more direct answers on some of them at some point in time. But this is running, right? It's mm-hmm. always it's always complicated because there's so many things going on and the good things are good for everyone all the time. We just kind of have to tweak and adjust how we implement them to achieve our goals and given our current situations. So here's the deal. With the concepts laid out in this episode, um, I think it's very important to consider ordering and foundations and and what helps build the foundations that you can then use to execute highest quality training over time. And so if you aren't familiar, you should go back to episode 39 right now, not right now, but when this is done, go back to episode 39 and listen to our aerobic foundation or our running foundation aerobic condition episode. And we kind of break down the aerobic conditioning side of things and how to approach that really well. But um, I'll allude to that here and not try to get into too much detail Before we get to the actual conditioning, though, strength Mm -hmm. is the first thing we need. So when we ask the question, it it is imperative that you as an athlete are building your physical strength before you try to execute high-quality training. And, of course, you're going to be doing it during the training as well, but you need to start there for at least a bit of time first. This is where the premise of building slowly mileage before you, like, get into your high-volume training, you build slowly into it. The reason for that is because you're building your physical strength so you mm-hmm. can physically endure the high volume training. And the same thing goes with intensity. You don't just dive right into high intensity workouts. Suddenly you build slowly and that is because you need to build the strength. So not just are you building slowly in your training, you also are doing strength and mobility work that's intentional to develop the functional movement that you need strongly to run well. And you do those things for at least a few weeks before you really start getting into high quality aerobic training. And you're much better off once you get into that work. Mm -hmm. 
And I can speak from experience. I was wondering if you were going to say that. (laughs) In a negative way, uh, after I had babies, I did not focus on strengthening before I got into my running. And even though things came pretty quickly for me, I did end up getting injuries. So learn from my mistakes and build that foundation first before you dive in. Because sometimes our motivation is hard to harness. Yeah, and I I often have an Achilles problem crop up when I'm beginning a new training cycle because I always forget that I really need to be very careful with strengthening my lower legs before I start running a lot of volume or my Achilles is the first thing that goes for me with those kinds of things. And so we're in the same boat here. Mm -hmm. So once you've got the strength or at least you're starting to build the strength, once you really establish that, by the way, then then it's just maintaining it throughout the training cycles. You just continue with your good routines, your quality strength, general strength routines and on top of the training that you're doing that's going to be enough you don't have to be doing crazy strengthening work when you're in the heat of high volumes so then of course as you might guess what comes next and it's the aerobic conditioning which might be what people mean by the word endurance when they talk about that you must spend the most amount of time on quality aerobic work as a distance runner as a distance runner (laughs) and distance runner i'm talking about even 800 meter runners kate grace was alluding to this even 800 meter runners need to do this because it's the most important element of your physical fitness in terms of a runner is your aerobic condition and so when you have a big aerobic condition your anaerobic capacity can be higher your actual raw speed can be higher if you have a big aerobic condition so you spend a lot of time on endurance and you build it well go back to episode 39 and listen about how to do that if you're not sure and finally then as you've built that quality aerobic condition you're ready to start some of the more race-specific type of stuff. And for all distances, speed is an important element to condition. I'm talking about maximum speed output. So you do that by literally practicing running as fast as you can. And there's a couple of different ways you go about that. And certainly different kinds of coaching programs involve different approaches to those things. But you need to do it because at the very least, it benefits your running economy. So even a marathoner benefits from maximum speed practice. But just a little bit. You don't need a ton of it. And if you're like a miler or a 5K runner, if that's if that's your goal race right now, then you need more of it and benefit even more from more of it. But even then, when you look at the numbers and you break it all down, it doesn't take long to really achieve high quality benefit from speed practice. So four, five, six, eight weeks, maybe at most, and then you're really sitting pretty and ready to go. I'm excited for doing that. I have a 5K goal this winter. We're actually both intending to potentially be running on the track if there are some indoor track races. So that could be really exciting. Yeah, we're going to need to figure out how to be fast again. (laughs) Maybe. So at the very least, if these things are complicated and confusing to you and you feel like you don't know where to start, but you want to try to do something differently than you have in the past, you know you can reach out to us. And we're happy to answer questions. We'd love to answer questions. We might even do so on air, as you noted at the beginning of the episode. But even further still, we're working with a lot of athletes with our training and coaching services and trying to support those athletes to achieve their goals and are happy to consult with you about whether we have something to offer in that regard as well. So go to adzrunning.com, look in the corner for the word coaching, and we can potentially help you out. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.